0: You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews.
1: Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible.
0: The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program.
1: Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible.
2: Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, April 9th, 2018, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series, Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-hosts, Jenna Pace. Hi! Katie.
3: Hello, everyone.
2: And Vinny Hatcher. I'm back. That was scary. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 16, which was titled, Breadcrumbs and aired April 6th, 2018. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Henry grapples with an important decision when a job prospect in New York threatens to take him away from Jacinda and Lucy. But a revelation in the case of the Candy Killer could make it even harder to leave Hyperion Heights. Meanwhile, Margot confides in Tilly, And in a flashback, Hook helps Henry find a way to prove himself to Ella. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 7, Episode 16. Once Upon a Time was viewed by 2.25 million total viewers with a .5. In the demo rating, it was steady. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode. And uh, since he was gone, but apparently he sacrificed Heather to come back to cast the dark curse, let's start off with uh, Vinny. What's your initial reaction to the episode? WTF! <laughs>
4: like that—that that was kind of like <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's kind of like a continuation, like of a long drawn-out sigh over the week between episodes, and then to this one, it was just kind of like I, I don't know. I, there's there's things that I liked in the episode, but there's also some things that I just really don't agree with.
2: So I'm kind of on the fence. Jenna Pace, are you on the fence?
5: Um somewhat, but for different reasons. I think that this episode is really good as the sum of its parts is greater than the whole. It has a lot of really great elements to it, but I feel like the whole just isn't coming together and it's kind in in the span of the season, it comes off in some respects as really fillery,
3: but I'll get to that a little bit later.
2: Katie, what about you?
3: I agree with Jenna. Actually, I really agree with Jenna. Um, I I liked the episode, and I th- you know I thought it was kind of fun, but it felt sort of like a filler to me, and it wasn't my favorite episode ever. But there were some really good parts of it, so so it wasn't my favorite, but um, that's okay. There were still some moments to enjoy.
2: Alright, okay, I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards Jenna and Katie, but a little differently. So while I while I agree with some of the things that you stated, I'm veering in a little bit more of a positive direction. This episode gave me the same feelings that I got during the episode a couple episodes ago, in which we got the young Alice hook in the tower uh storyline i didn't feel like that was something i needed to see i felt like it was a little bit of a a waste of space where they could have fit in a better flashback that uh advanced that narrative a little bit more i feel the same with this flashback the flashback i mean the point of the flashback was to see uh Ella and uh, Henry get engaged, and everything else did feel fillery. I I would have preferred to have seen something else. I'll be honest, I feel like we're not going to get a Shadow Queen uh, flashback at all uh, in these last final episodes. And And that's something that, to be quite honest, you know, selfish reasons I would have preferred to have seen. So the flashback was sort of like, eh. The present-day stuff was really interesting. In that episode, I also was much more interested in the present-day stuff. So, this episode gave me a lot of uh, vibes of uh, Nightfall. It it just was sort of a mix-bag hodgepodge. And I was definitely much more interested in what was going on in present-day Hyperion Heights than in uh, the uh, magical flashback. So... Before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time, here's our announcer with a few special announcements.
1: Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you.
0: This is a Poppy Chulo Radio Special Announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo radio experience and making it more interactive and user friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. Let's get into it. A quick
2: shout-out to the opening title card sequence, which featured the Wish Realm version of the Jolly Roger sailing in a storm. So, you know how we always uh, do this. We start off in the past, in the uh, Magical Forest. We start off with Henry, Ellen, and Nook on a quest to slay a dragon that's been um plundering the the villages nearby but when they enter the cave they learn that the dragon actually fled ages ago weeks ago and uh this disappoints henry who you know feels like it's his duty to slay dragons especially since he's got his uh, mom and and uh grandparents sword to do it but uh, you know he he confesses to nook that uh, he he needs a story you know he doesn't want to be a character in someone else's story he needs to feel worthy of ella especially since he wants to propose and so he wants you know a, a a ring that's got a fascinating story like the story of his grandparents with the ring that will always find them and so hook has an idea you know he has a map To Davy Jones' locker, where they can find some treasure, and uh, they um, they, can—they need a ship though, and so they end up sneaking aboard the Jolly Roger, which has been uh, taken into possession by uh, Blackbeard, and they overthrow Blackbeard to uh, in order to acquire the treasure. Although Blackbeard surprises them and takes them hostage, and once he finds out about the treasure, he's like, "I'll kill you after I find." the treasure. And so, uh, they end up, uh, you know, getting the treasure and, uh, they actually fight back and overtake Blackbeard and his crew. And this is when Henry learns that this was all a ruse, uh, that this was all a plan by Hook to give Henry an adventure. So I'm going to pause right here because we can discuss the other stuff that happens in a moment. And, uh, I want to discuss a couple different things. Uh, Katie, I want to ask you about Blackbeard. What did you think of Blackbeard's return? And, uh, this is, I'm assuming <laughs> wish Blackbeard.
3: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I guess I didn't think about that, but you're right. I think, I think it is. Um, he's kind of the same as he's pretty much the same as a Blackbeard that we've seen in the past. Um, Blackbeard has always been one of my favorite guest stars, just because, simply for the reason that when he comes on and guest stars, he usually makes the funniest, like, puns and jokes that are just funny. Um, He didn't really do that this episode, though, Um, but, I mean, I guess I didn't take into account that this was the Wish version of his character, Um, I liked his return. It wasn't as exciting as I hoped it would be because when I had first heard that he was going to be back, I was really excited because he's one of my favorites. And I feel like it wasn't as exciting this time for some reason. I don't really know. Um, but, you know, I think it was, it was kind of fun. Um, I love, I've always loved that he resembles more of the Disney hook, Than our hook on the show does. Um, It's just kind of one of those fun things. That I I like. um, That they've done. Um, But. Just kind of regarding the whole flash. Or not the whole flashback. But this portion of the flashback. In general. um, I kind of saw it coming. That. He was. That this was a setup. Um, It. It just, I had kind of gotten that hint sometime at the beginning. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be funny, you know, if this is like one of those scenarios, kind of like in Castle. They did that in Castle. Um, They've done it in one of my other favorite shows called Monk. It was a USA show um, a while back. Um, They did kind of the same thing there where they just set up that it's like a real case in the case of Castle and Monk. Um, Real mystery case, but it turns out that they were being set up by their partners um, or their family or their friends. Um, And so it kind of struck me that, oh, maybe this is kind of like that, and it did turn out to be that way, Um, which is okay. Um, But I liked, I don't know. It was still fun. Like, the swashbuckling is fun. That's something that I've always loved. I've always loved the pirate genre, um, because I love the swashbuckling adventures and to see a grown-up Henry fighting alongside Hook is fun because we've seen them, we've seen Hook and Henry, um, from, you know, season three, I'm thinking it was, but I get my seasons mixed up, um, but around there where Hook was, um, starting to, um, help Henry and get to know him better and he would um take Henry out um sailing and um just do different things um different piratey things and to see him grown up and doing and fighting right alongside Hook was kind of fun but I will say that I did see the twist coming kind of from the very beginning of the flashback so that was that took away kind of an element of surprise
2: unfortunately all right, and uh, what did you think, Jenna, about Henry wanting to have this sort of epic story to share with uh, Ella? Did you think that was in tune with the uh, the Henry that we grew to love and and we saw grow up?
5: Well, actually, I this is the this is the part of the flashback where I really felt very strongly. Uh, positive about it, because this has been a part of Henry's character since the very beginning. Even in early season two, it's like he wanted to be a hero, he wanted to be the store he wanted a story of his own, and he, yeah, he wanted to be like that badass like the rest of his family was, and the culmination of his arc, which obviously we'll get to in a moment, I think was the logical conclusion of what that story would of what that story would be and what Henry needed to discover about himself um, not to go much further but it's kind of like the importance of family the importance of him just being him and be him being true to himself and how others care for him um so yeah I and I guess I my only thing is I don't really feel like this is the story that should have happened with it because again it's it's a flashback that doesn't really mean anything. I guess like in a way, I would have liked, given the present events of the episode, maybe I would have liked to see him work with a different character because his and Rogers relationship has always been just a casual friendship in the scope of this season. So to have that like be the big thing and not even have any any like thing going on in the other in the present side of the of the episode with Rogers feels really awkward.
2: So yeah. Okay. So continuing on with the story, a storm has started, you know, while uh, Henry has learned the truth about what has happened. And this giant whirlpool happens. And uh, they they're trying to get uh, away from the storm. They're steering the ship away from the storm, but it seems like the storm is following them. And so Henry realizes that this isn't a normal storm. This is a storm that's being caused by magic. And it must be because of the treasure. And uh, Blackbeard specifically sort of picked out the ring. You know, the ring was really special to Davy Jones. It was the ring that he gave to his bride, this, that, or the other. And so Henry deduces that it must be the ring. And so he asks Nook... To steer the ship directly into the Whirlpool. And uh, Blackbeard is freaked out. Nook is like, are you sure, mate? And uh, Henry's like, you know, I will trust any hook in any realm in, you know, steering the ship properly. And so... The ship gets steered into the whirlpool. Henry throws the ring directly into the center of the whirlpool. And zap, as if a curse has been broken, the seas uh, calm immediately. And Henry ends up realizing that, you know, maybe he might not have an amazing, spectacular, epic story of his own. But he does have his heart to give to Ella and he feels like that's going to be just enough that Ella would want him to return back safe and sound. So we're going to pause right here because there's another teeny tiny scene. But I, I want to get Vinny's take on this. What did you think of Henry throughout this uh, flashback? What did you think of Henry and, in his quest and then the realization that all he needed was basically his love for Ella to prove himself?
0: Yeah,
4: I think it was very un Henry, except for the part that he realized at the very end of it. I mean, this is a kid who's been through six seasons of watching people overcome the worst for love and having love, you know, just be shown as something that doesn't always have to be something monumental. He's been on this humongously long journey, developed as a character, watched other people around him develop and learn similar lessons, you know, in style. Not to mention Ella is not a character that seems prone to wanting shiny, amazing, fabulous, beautiful things. Ella from the very beginning was presented as a matter-of-fact, blunt, down-to-earth, very heartfelt character who did not put much stock in physical belongings or physical trappings and him feeling that he needs to go on this massive story adventure to have a legend to tell, or you know, in any way feeling like he needs to have a treasure to present to her, it just didn't strike me as something our Henry that we know and love would believe or feel. I feel with everything he's been through, and the fact that when he first met her he was on a motorcycle, that's kind of epic, because that's not something that's in their realm. So right off the bat, the way that they met was something completely crazy and strange so it I just I didn't think that it was necessary to have this I I kind of am with you on that like I could have done with a different flashback because all that kind of happened leading up to him realizing he just needed himself is something that was kind of already communicated in the actions between the two characters leading up to this point in flashbacks that we've already seen and I just didn't really I don't know I, I just didn't seem or it didn't seem like the Henry that I, I thought would
2: you know, be going after her, doing the right thing to woo her. See the funny thing is I see your side and I also see Jenna's side. There's a part of me that sees it sort of like very understandable that Henry would want like something epic, you know, based on his family's lineage. But there's a part of me that sees it exactly how Vinny states it, that, you know, he's gotten to know Ella. Ella really isn't about that type of stuff. So he should have known better, in a sense. I'm still going to go through with, with my whole feelings of, like, this flashback was unnecessary. I mean, I feel like the writers had an idea. We need to see Henry propose to Ella. And so they crafted this narrative to lead us to that point. And uh, we've seen all of these amazing characters in the past get proposed to. So it's like we have to see them get proposed to because we've seen Emma and Hook. We saw the Charmings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like we need to see these characters uh, and their proposal, but they just you know, gave us the storyline that was, in my opinion, completely unnecessary. Much like a couple of episodes ago, I guess the writers needed to show us how uh, Hook Nook got the uh, Curse of the Poisoned Heart, as well as what led him to his drunken state in which we originally saw him, and so they crafted a storyline that would take us to that point. And everything else could have been explained, to be quite honest, in exposition elsewhere. But, uh, you know, this is what we got. So, speaking of that scene, continuing on with the flashback, the very end of the flashback shows us Henry taking Ella to a nearby lake. And uh, he goes on to say, you know, nothing, you know, epic or magical happened here. No curses were cast. But... I feel like this is the most beautiful place to uh, build a life with you. You know, I build a cottage, this or the other, we can start a new chapter here. And he ends up proposing, she says yes, and uh, we get a nice little romantical moment at the end. Katie, you love the romance. What did you think of the proposal?
3: This was one of my favorite parts of the flashback and part of the entire episode, I think. I just really liked it. Um... It kind of, I mean, it felt, to me, this flashback felt like they were trying to mirror um, Charmi- the *Charming* Snow and Charmings um, meet cute, I guess you can say, in the first season, where he's on the quest to find the ring. that That's kind of what this episode felt like. And um, we know when they were um, first... Um, introducing these characters um, before the show had even the season had even aired when they were trying to amp up on the excitement for these new characters. They had always compared Henry and Jacinda or Henry and Cinderella to his grandparents, Snow and Charming, that it was going to be a relationship much like theirs. Um, And so this this flashback kind of felt very similar to me, in my opinion, in the aspect that he was looking for this ring this whole time and then we kind of ended um with a proposal which didn't happen in this so and charming episode it didn't end with the proposal but um it still had that feel um i really liked i really liked that that end to this flashback where we see him propose to her and um it wasn't anything, you know, it didn't have to be anything fancy, kind of like what Vinny was saying. Ella's not this grand person who's expecting the best of the best and is expecting these um, really grand, worldly possessions that, um, you know, she won't accept anything else. Um, so it felt very genuine to who they are as characters and what their relationship is like. Um, so I really liked it. It was really cute. Um it showed, it showed me just why I like them so much. Um, and, you know, even though we really didn't need an entire flashback to get to this point, it was nice to see on screen. I did like it. Um, so, yeah, it was nice. I liked it a lot. Plus, it was a really pretty location.
2: It was a really nice location. I don't think we've ever mm-hmm. seen that location mm-hmm. before.
3: No, it was very nice.
2: Yeah, they picked someplace unique. Any other thoughts on the flashback as a whole as well as the proposal before we move on?
4: I thought the proposal was beautiful, and honestly, I think that's how they should have opened the episode and spent time focusing on other flashback material. I think it would have helped a lot of things. Definitely, because it was such a beautiful moment. We didn't need all that lead-up. It was... I think it could have held its own.
5: It was such a cute little proposal. It was just adorable well thought out. I agree that Maybe maybe it, w- it would have been better to see a Jacinda Henry episode, especially because, well, they have a bigger role in terms of the present actions. That or, may- that or I have another idea, but I don't know if you want me to tell you it now, what I kind of wish they had done instead.
2: Is it about the flashback?
5: No, it's just... Uh, you know what, I'm just going to say it. I kind of wish we had seen Henry and Jack meet, because then we could have gotten to know Jack more as a character, and that would have kind of assuaged the problems that I had the- with the previous episode, where... Jack suddenly, this killer, after really not having much of a defined personality, that would have given a chance to have it defined, and you can still go on this big adventure.
2: Okay, but I can co-sign that. Said. Yeah. Although...
5: Unless there was, like, a flash forward, and maybe Nick helped Henry helped Henry propose to Ella.
2: Yeah, that would have been... Well, you mean, um, Jack.
5: Jack, sorry.
2: Yeah, That might have been interesting. I was actually expecting him to be in the flashback because the promo featured him a lot. I was like, okay, it probably makes sense that he's also going to be in the flashback. And I was very surprised that he wasn't. I thought we were going to see their meet-cute as well. But obviously in that timeline, they would have already met because it was Henry out by himself having his own adventures when he met Jack. And so I'm surprised that they didn't go that route. I think it would have fleshed the character out a little bit more. I don't feel like we're going to see that uh, at all, uh, to be quite honest, in these last few episodes. So I think that was a uh, missed attempt as well. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah, mean I to think. your
5: point, but I was just thinking of the most adorable ship name for Henry and Jack. Uh, Henry and Jack, uh, Candy Believer.
4: <laughs> 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 or candy heart
5: oh no heart is chorus thing
4: yeah but no I, th- I think that whatever we're going to get for a jack backstory is going to be next week agreed and it almost yeah it looks like they're like just out of order <laughs> like they're, they're doing things a little bit weirdly like I feel like that should have come before the reveal of him as the
2: killer it's I, I don't know
4: it's interesting I, I'm still up in the air but I'll wait to talk about that
2: Yes. Well, they always do things out of order. So that doesn't surprise me. But I agree that I feel like if we're going to get any type of Jack backstory, it's going to be next week. And I just hope that it's done well. Because I'm very confused by the promo. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, (laughs) we'll be discussing that listeners next week. So let's move into present day Hyperion Heights. Okay, let's see, which storyline should we discuss first? I guess we'll do... uh, It's interesting, because there really were only two storylines, but both of those storylines sort of like split off into tinier storylines. So let's start off with one of the tiny storylines, but it's going to... Well, we have to talk about the major part of it as well. So Henry gets uh, fantastic news. You know, he has landed an interview in New York to become a podcast producer. Hmm. Interesting. Is anyone in New York listening? So... <laughs>
5: Someone in New York is broadcasting!
2: I know, right? <laughs> and so, and so uh, he uh, initially goes to uh, Ronnie's to look for Ronnie, but Ronnie is not there. And he runs into Nick. And um, Nick... We understand what he's saying. Apparently, he lost a client. And he was very disappointed that he lost said client. That the client will not be his. He's talking about Ivy. And so, he's very excited that he's got another client that he can find. And so, Henry... And this is when Henry gets the call for the podcasting. And so he rushes to Jacinda to talk to her about the job. And he's like, but it it probably means that I'm going to move to New York and I've got the interview tomorrow and I'm going to have to fly out today and this, that, or the other. And Jacinda basically tells him, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You know, this is a great opportunity. You've been doing H-Town. Even um, Margot loves H-Town. Everybody loves H-Town. Everybody at the bar loves H-Town. So he's got to do it. And so she basically, you know, supports his decision. Later on in the episode, Lucy and. Well, actually, before Lucy, later on in the episode, Sabine ends up uh, telling Jacinda otherwise when she hears the news, like, how, you know, you need to call him. You need to tell him what's going on. And, uh,. Later on, at the end of the episode, Lucy basically tells Jacinda the same thing. Lucy apologizes to Jacinda. You know, I guess everything was going too fast. I didn't know, I, you know, I, I wasn't sure what I was feeling. But I do know that I want you two to be together. And I don't want me to be the reason why you two don't get together. So you need to call Henry. You need to call Henry. So, focusing on... Henry and the podcasting and the Jacinda side of the storyline. Uh, Jenna, what did you, what are your thoughts on uh, this storyline throughout the episode?
5: Um, I think it was really cute. I do kind of like this as a culmination of Jacinda and Henry's romance. At least, like at least at the moment, it kind of seems like it. Where she's where she's coming to terms with the fact that she likes him. All the pieces are kind of coming together. Henry's giving her this really obvious sign that. He likes her by telling her that he that he's planning on that he's thinking about this and he wants to hear her opinion. Um, I, and she reacts the way that Jacinda would react. She's very happy for him, like Jacinda. She would prioritize hard work over over anything else, but at the same time, she's a little oblivious in the more in the more romantic sense of the fact that that was kind of him telling. Him telling her, "Stop me if you love me." So I did like that. I really like Sabine um, supporting Jacinda, being like, "No, I'm taking no prisoners. You gotta turn. You gotta turn back. You gotta do this. Otherwise, you're gonna regret it." And even Lucy helping her. And when she makes that call, it feels like a perfect build of all of these relationships in her life supporting her. So. Yeah, I think it was just. I think it was just a nice, a nice mini arc for Jacinda, and I like the place where it went off, where it went to, and the resources that she used to come to her decision.
2: Well, before we get to that phone call, we have to rewind back to the beginning of the episode. So we have Weaver and Rogers inspecting the crime scene of the Candy Killer, where the Candy Killer attacked. Uh, Ivy in the the car garage and so uh, he basically fills Rogers in that Ivy has left town and Rogers like you know that's the best thing she could do basically and ain't that the truth and when Rogers leaves to um, basically take Tilly to uh, her new J.O.B weaver ends up finding something very interesting at the crime scene he goes and visits henry and he shows henry his once upon a time book apparently the candy killer is a fan of uh his once upon a time book and uh, so uh, weaver asks Henry's help even though Henry is basically on his way to the airport. So Henry goes down to the police station and he starts looking through the book and initially he can't find anything and he's like I need to leave this that or the other and he's like I'm not going to tell you about my life and whatever whatever. But Weaver's like, you know what? I'm a fan of your book. I read it. I really liked it. And I like the character that's based on you. At least I think it's based on you. Because this character, you know, always believed. And uh, it was his hope. and, And not necessarily that he was filled with belief and hope. But it was how he executed it. And so that convinces Henry to take another look inside the book. And when Roger shows up, Henry has figured something out. It turns out that the Candy Killer believes he's a character in the book. And upon like another glance, Henry believes the Candy Killer thinks they're Hansel. Because there are all these notes... Uh, sort of correcting things in the chapter of Hansel and Gretel, basically talking about scars, vengeance for his sister's death, as well as, uh, you know, basically no happy ending happening in the Hansel and Gretel storyline. And so Rogers is going to uh, look into, you know, basically men or twins you know that where the sister has died and scars and fires and that kind of stuff and to see if uh, they can figure out who this Hansel person is and uh Henry also uh tell informs that uh, maybe this person has had some sort of traumatic experience maybe you know that's why you know, they're obsessed with the scars and, and um, to look into the scarring and that kind of thing. And so before Henry leaves Weaver, Weaver, thinks that Henry should reconsider leaving. You know, this is his hometown. And uh, right now he's at two paths. And uh, the Henry Mills from his favorite book, from his his favorite character, would know the right path to take. And as Henry leaves and uh, Weaver shuts the door, Weaver gives us a sly little grin. So let's pause right here. Vinny, what did you think of Henry, Weaver, and the search for the Candy Killer? This was my probably second
4: favorite part in the entire episode, actually. Uh, I really enjoyed the interspersion of... I just made a word, apparently. Interspersion. The (laughs) interaction between Weaver and Henry, because even though Henry's a different actor and we haven't gotten too much between... That actor and current Silskin slash Weaver together and depth, it felt like we had. It felt like a seamless transition between what we'd previously seen in past seasons with Weaver and that relationship, that history being there hidden behind a curse. I don't know if that makes sense, but I bought it. I really liked it. And especially the fact that like, Weaver was kind of inadvertently without coming out and saying, I'm your grandfather, don't go do something stupid. He played the Rumpelstiltskin card and was clever and manipulated Henry exactly how he knew would work. Even though Henry was under the curse, the traits that he has of curiosity, of loving a puzzle, of loving a challenge, of wanting to help people, he pulled those strings and got Henry pulled right back into the web. And I think that Andrew West really portrayed that very well and you know you could tell the the battle that curse henry is having you know this amazing opportunity but at the same time i can't resist a good story and now this story involves my own book and so it was really really well done and just between that and also hook i really think it was one of the best acted moments in the episode and i found it really valuable because it got us a moment between grown up henry and his grandfather even under the curse it was still a really awesome moment for the two to share and it also demonstrated Rumpelstiltskin exercising his care for his grandson, great grandson, whichever it is, um, and kind of inadvertently showing his love. So I really, really enjoyed it, and I think it was a great
2: addition to the episode. Grandson, grandson. Thank you. You're welcome. I liked it as well. I've got to say, and I completely forgot this is the first time weaver and henry have chatted since he got punched out and i'm glad that they referenced that because good grief that was Mm -hmm. ages of ages 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 ago
3: (laughs) that really stuck out to me too because yeah it's funny they never attracted that Mm -hmm. when they brought that up i'm like that was so long ago yeah episodes ago
2: i'm glad it was brought up I'm glad that he also said you know I was in a different frame of mind Uh, you know I apologize that wasn't me this was out of the other I really like that he made amends to it because the old Rumpelstiltskin would not have uh, whether he was cursed or not he wouldn't have said anything
3: it's very true Mm -hmm.
2: so I really 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 like that so uh, great writing uh, throughout that entire sequence any other thoughts on Weaver in particular during this storyline before we move on
5: all good. I all guess good.
2: Vinny handled it all. I liked it. All right. So mm. continuing on, let's stick with this storyline before we get into um, one of the side storylines. So Henry is on his way to the airport. Um, I will say earlier in the episode, he did find a piece, the, that piece of glass slipper uh, that Lucy had gave him from, um, I don't, they're, they aren't called the mines. Yeah, but what what was it called? It was just under oh, for- the, the garden. The
5: Garden of Forking Paths was the name of the episode? No, I'm
2: saying what was yeah. that area called? Because in in Storybrooke, it's the mines. I don't think they're called the mines. It was Old Seattle or something like that they called it. Whatever it was. That's where they found uh, the piece oh, of Oh, the glass. underground? Yeah, the underground. And so uh, that initially was going to send him to go and, and, and speak to... Uh, Jacinda, but he got interrupted by Weaver. And so uh, as he's driving to the airport, he uh, gets a flat tire and it's a piece of glass. And so he takes that as another sign that he should stay. His car actually stops right on under the uh, troll bridge. And so uh, while he's going to go and fix his flat, Nick drives on by and offers henry a ride and henry tells nick you know instead of going to the airport i need to go see jacinda i feel like i need to stay this that the other it's crazy and and uh you know i'm keep i keep getting all these signs i have to stay and i have to go see jacinda right now and i have to tell her and so while they're chatting in the car henry you know lets nick in on the fact that the police were questioning him about the candy killer and nick gets all suspicious and he's like what did what did they ask you know what did you find out and uh, he's like it turns out the candy killer thinks he's hansel and has got all these scars and it's revenge for his sister and henry's spilling all the beans to the man and uh all of a sudden like i guess some keys are going to fall and ha- and uh nick ends up grabbing the keys and it exposes all these scars on his arm and henry is just not smooth at all and he's like you know what i think i'm going to go to the airport you know what i think you can let me out right here right now and so as uh, it looks like they're about to have a showdown where Something's going to happen because the door is locked. And it looks like Henry's going to try to get to the button. But it it just implodes in Henry's face. And uh, Henry gets injected with a drug. And is kidnapped by Nick. And at Nick's place, he basically confirms that he is Hansel. He is the Candy Killer. And uh, Henry's like, you know, come on. You know, you can turn yourself in it'll be fine, you can even say you're a Hansel, you know, they'll, that can be your defense, and uh, he's like, no, because if I turn myself in, I can't kill, and I've got a lot more killing to do, and so we see now at the moment when Jacinda is calling Henry, Nick declines the call, And uh, we see Nick preparing to send out some more heart-shaped candy boxes. And um, there you go. So we'll pause right here. And uh, let's talk all about Henry and Nick and uh, the reveal. At least the reveal to Henry. And let's see. uh, Katie, break this down for me. (laughs)
3: <laughs> okay, first of all, I want to say, Henry, why are you so obvious?
2: Oh my God, he was horrible. So? He was
3: about as smooth as chunky peanut butter.
2: I was like, "I love what me some are chunky are peanut butter."
3: <laughs> so dumb. Oh my gosh, I feel like we would not be in this position if Henry was more smart, was smarter than that.
2: <laughs> and you would think that he but, well. You know what? I'm going to blame the curse. I'm going to okay. blame the curse. Okay,
3: let's do that.
2: Because I feel like Henry <laughs> in uh, any other realm would have been smarter. He would have been a lot yeah. more smooth just based yeah. on his experiences. So I'm yeah, going to blame the, the curse.
3: Uh-huh. If I was in the car in a car with the murderer, I feel like I wouldn't act like that. I'd want to get out, but be a little bit more subtle about it so I wasn't the next murdered person. <laughs> Well,
4: not to Uh, mention, like, didn't they just meet, basically, like, in the curse? Like, they don't know each other that well. I I don't know about you guys, but, like, hey, if my car broke down and some guy that's the ex of the girl that I'm digging drove by and I'm like, okay, I feel comfy enough to get in the car with you, I wouldn't feel comfortable enough to discuss confidential police, you know, information with you. Yeah, that was a little (laughs) weird.
2: They have met a couple times, but it is a little weird that he just sort of spilled... uh, everything that happened
3: yeah i will agree with that i guess
2: maybe the only thing that i could forgive is because nick is a lawyer allegedly Uh, i don't even know if that's true yeah because he's a lawyer like maybe that's why he felt that he could uh sort of confide in him
3: say a little bit more Hmm. Mm -hmm. i guess that's true but although (laughs) you would think like what if he's representing the
2: candy killer you know that then you're telling him the entire case of the police you know what i'm saying
4: yeah, yeah, like, what if he ended up defending the killer?
3: Exactly. Yeah. Oh, he might be. Yeah. But, I mean, beyond that, the obvious lack of smarts in the situation, um, I felt like they really, I mean, I feel like they made the scenes as creepy as they could be. Um, in a good way.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Nick can play like creepy. Very,
3: yeah, yeah. I really, like, I think he's doing a really good job playing that part and playing the creepiness p- creepiness factor up. Um, it just, the tone was set very right for it. Um, the part where, you know, he says that, you know, if I did that, I couldn't keep killing I was like, oh, okay, wow, this is where he's at mentally. He just wants to kill people. Uh, <laughs> that was really creepy, but um, I really did like the scenes that they had together, um, especially leading up to the part where he finds out he's the killer because they were really um, setting that up, and you kind of feel nervous the whole time, like, what the heck's going to happen? Obviously, something's going to happen, but when is it going to happen? Um, how are we going to get there? Um, so they really did set the stage well, I thought. Um, so, I mean, it was they were enjoyable parts of the episode. I think they were some of my favorite parts of the episode. Um, just because it sets up the stage for what is coming up in this next episode that we're going to see that I'm really excited about. So, um, I liked them. I liked the scenes. Um, I thought they did a good job setting the tone and making sure the tone stayed as creepy as possible. Um, it felt like you were watching um, you were watching a show that regularly deals with criminals um, rather than watching, like, once upon a time, because once upon a time has always been more the fairy tale feel, um, and then this season we've brought in the cop, quote unquote, the cop drama to this to the show, um, and also now we have a murder. Um, so it was nice to veer away from the typical. It's been nice to veer away from the typical fairy tale feel we usually have and get a different taste. Um, and I think that they, they handled it well. They did a, got, a good job setting up the tone for, um, for what a, this type of scene calls for. So I think they did a good job with that at least.
2: Yeah, totally. It uh harkens back to season 1, which was I think the last time we got any type of sort of yeah, police type true. of thing with Catherine's disappearance. Oh, yeah. I mm-hmm.
3: forgot about that. Although it's true. like a
2: this is like a darker, twistier, uh, more murderous uh, you know, yeah. vibe. <laughs> but it's similar-ish. It's the closest thing that we've seen on Once Upon a Time to something like this because that got a little dark as well, although it was um it was a shorter arc versus what we've experienced now with the candy killer i'm actually i'll be honest i'm surprised that uh it's still going on but uh i'm really fascinated by it i think uh, nick parsons is doing a really great job nate parsons sorry is nathan parsons yeah nathan parsons is doing a really great job as nick as uh, nick slash jack slash hansel Uh, so uh, i'm really interested in the storyline i just to be quite honest because we only have so many episodes left i wish that they would have started the storyline a little bit earlier i wish that we would have gotten a little sprinkles of it uh, maybe even halfway through uh, the first half of the season not something every week maybe every other episode just another little clue another death something like that just some so, substance yeah, yeah just to just to make it a little bit more um i don't know what i'm trying to say just to maybe have ended it a little bit earlier unless this really is going to uh, 100% correlate with stuff that mother gothel's doing it's just it, it seems um it seems like a lot of storylines that have to uh end and wrap up before we get to the final two hours, which will be in uh, brook. So, uh, it's a lot. I just hope that they find a proper way to sort of clean everything up. So, all right, continuing on with uh, a smaller storyline that we haven't chatted about yet. Towards the start of the episode, we see Lucy and Zelina working on the antidote To reverse Henry's curse and we learn that Ronnie is out looking for a very special moss that uh, is needed to make the antidote work and uh, we see Margot sort of like observing uh, Lucy and Kelly's relationship and Margot is very confused you know you wanted me to return, you had all this news and whatnot, and you haven't said anything. And uh, Kelly's basically like, you know, I I can't tell you just yet. And she's like, what's going on? You were engaged, you were going to get married, and you're here working at the bar again. This is very weird and suspicious. And so Margot leaves in a huff. And so around the same time that this is going on, Rogers takes Tilly to uh, her first job and Rogers asked a favor from Sabine and Tilly likes the beignets. And so Tilly will be rolling by you at the rolling by you food truck. Well done. Thank hey. you. I was actually going to ask if Jenna. Approved wow. Because
5: I, actually, can I make another pun? Cause I didn't get a chance to a little earlier. <laughs> <Please>.
2: <laughs> okay.
5: Okay, so, you know, um, Jack is a murderer, Jack likes candy, he's not Jack the Ripper, he's Jack the Ripple. <laughs>
4: so I got what? one better. <laughs> oh, what do you got? So, we, we, we missed perhaps the most important reveal about Nick slash Jack being the killer, and I can't believe we didn't comment on it. I was right. Ha! <laughs>
3: I, Wait, did you I'm trying to did you
4: remember I know not the killer but remember if you go back when he was first kind of coming on the episode I was like, you know, there's just something about this
2: guy that I don't like.
4: I, I was thinking like,
5: that too. Yeah. Huh. Well,
2: yeah, okay, there we you go.
3: You were right.
2: We did Yay. we did discuss that so last week. <laughs> there were it was you, it was Jenna, I forget if Heather also had their suspicions on Jack when they came on. When when mm-hmm. Jack was originally on, but um, yes, all of you are right that we're suspicious of Jack. Yep. So okay, so Tilly is working at the Roland Bayou. It, it turns out she might not be the best beignet maker. She knows how to make them heart shaped, but like literally heart shaped. And so Sabine ends up sending uh, Tilly out to get free samples and and whatnot to lure people into the Roland Bayou and while she's doing that she ends up striking up a conversation with Margot with a T at the end not Targo Margot and (sighs) and so they talk and it turns out they have a lot in common and uh, they discuss what's going on with Margot and her mom and uh, Tilly basically makes Margot see things from Kelly's point of view You know, don't you think that this is probably causing her pain? That she can't tell you exactly what's going on? And this is out of the other. And uh, there are immediate sparks and a whole lot of chemistry and a whole lot of adorableness. And uh, they have a really sweet moment together. And so later on, Sabine is incredibly impressed with Tilly. She fills Rogers in on what she's been up to, on the fact that because Tilly ended up, you know, handing out all these free samples, you know, it lured people into the Roland Bayou, and uh, then after sort of Tilly gets a congratulation, I will say... Earlier in in their meeting, we did find out that Drew is still around. Drew is going to work even days. Tilly's going to work odd days. And, and Tilly likes odd things. So it, it's perfect. And so as Tilly and Roger sort of like go away, uh, Tilly is just really excited and ecstatic that she found a job that uh, she likes. You know, she's doing things that she likes. And now everyone in Hyperion, I- in Hyperion Heights knows who she is. Uh, yay. So to wrap up the the storyline that was introduced uh, in this part of the episode. Uh, Margot returns to Ronnie's and she forgives uh, Kelly. And uh, she's like, you know what? You know what? Maybe let's just wait and see what's going on. I will respect your decision on not to tell me and this, that, or the other. And, uh. She also uh, forgives uh, uh, Kelly, you know, just based on the whole situation that she hasn't seen her fiance. And and this allows Kelly to remember, you know, that she's going to have to have a, a talk with Chad at some point as well. And so Margot is like, well, you know what? Maybe you've been on Chad's mind because I found this outside and it's left for you kelly west it's a heart-shaped box of chocolates and uh, kelly is horrified because she knows that she's on the candy killers hit list dun, dun, dun. bum 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 yes all right i'm gonna open this up to everybody what did we think of Margot and tilly tilly and sabine tilly and rogers kelly and Margot. And Kelly and the Candy Killer. Who wants to go first? Who's raising their, their hand? It's a podcast. I can't see.
4: I'll go. All right. <laughs> Vinny. Vinny had his hand raised. The, the, all of these scenes really just kind of made me kind of look at this from a perspective. What I really love that's happening is everyone is coming together against all odds with this curse. People that in this episode, you know, we had Weaver and Henry, and you know, we have now Tilly and T. Or I'm just going to call her Tiana because or Sabine. Tilly and Sabine, and we're seeing people interacting that really didn't interact as much before. So I love that we're not only seeing people coming together against the odds of the curse, we're seeing the existing relationships that some of these people had come out. As well you know, the hook and Alice father-daughter relationship, like him going with her to work and checking on her at the end of the day, almost made me kind of think of like, you know, when I was 16, going to McDonald's and I didn't have my car, and my parents would drop me off and then pick me up and ask how my day was. It's really clever the way that they're, they're weaving everything together and, and bringing the relationships of these characters under the curse through the curse and letting us see that. It's almost like watching the curse slowly unravel. So I really, really like that aspect. Uh, the interactions were phenomenal. Every single one of these characters in their scenes. I really, really love the Margot and Tilly dynamic. I think that those two ladies pair well off of each other. Not only the way that they're written, but the actresses themselves have a definite chemistry. And I, I love how Tilly was able to just kind of be Tilly and help Margot get out of her head. Because Margot seems like a very intelligent introverted kind of person and tilly is just like you know oh stop looking in you look out here you know and helped her and i think with her humor and her whimsy it really it, it really appealed to the character of Margot. and it was interesting to see the beginnings of that kind of popping out through the curse as well as these two are still are finding each other again uh my favorite part of all of these was the ending scene with the two of them i am really really excited for next week and rebecca Mater, i just have to give her credit for looking when she saw that box the the look on her face it was just like a mixture of horror realization and like a little bit of wow i should have realized this was coming and i probably did but i didn't put much priority on it and oh crap now it's here it just really sets the tone going in the next weeks and i'm kind of counting down the days now
2: well, alrighty. I like that. And yeah, shout out to Bex because she sold it when she looked at that candy. She she has never looked at candy like that ever before. <laughs> she was she looked at it with dread, as if right? like the candy was gonna kill her. Ah, oh, candy killer. There you go. <laughs> Jenna Pace. Since I made a pun, I'm thinking of you. What did you think of Margot Tilly? Everything at the roll and bayou and then uh, the dynamic between Kelly and Margot.
5: Okay, well I love I loved it all. Um let me break it down. Um first I want to talk about um Kelly and Margot I like their relationship a lot because especially when they fought at the beginning of the episode because you feel that there's love there. Um, I mostly on Margot's side, like I mean, we we of course know that Kelly Zelina loves Margot, but because this is really this is one of this is Margot's introductory episode, we get to see that there's Love there, even within all that frustration. She obviously, even though she hasn't kept in good contact with Kelly, she knows enough about what's going on with the wedding and such. And she wants to know about these things. She wants to believe that her mom's changed. And you can feel that love in her even as she's getting angry, even as she's storming off, even as she's clearing those glasses. Um, I remember um, I saw on a forum some people were... Pointing, we were, people were wondering why, like, there was such an emphasis on Margot cleaning the glasses. I just thought, had a thought: she's going through the looking glass. I mean, I know it's it's a little offbeat, but cute. Um, anyways, um, and I like the culmination of that at the end of the episode with how they made up and them coming together. I think they have a very unique mother-daughter dynamic, and it, I, I like I like seeing how that played out. Um. With Alice, uh, with Tilly and Rogers, I thought they were so adorable. You feel the father daughter connection there, even though they don't know it. They really—you could be forgiven for thinking otherwise. They express it. The don't quit chewing your nails. Oh, you're so imperious today. <laughs> it's like this annoyed teenage daughter. Um, Rogers and Sabine were kind of adorable too when Rogers was dropping her off and picking her up. And I I loved all those moments with her. Um, Rogers is just so proud of the progress that she's making. He's so happy to see that she's meeting people. It's just adorable, and um, I like kind of getting to see Tilly and Margo Margot in their cursed form for the first for the second time interacting. It's really sweet. It's dorky. I love the whole Targo thing and Tilly's awkwardness as she makes, as she messes up her name. She stumbles. She comes back. And then they bond over the heart. It, it's just nice. And I like that Tilly kind of found her place in this area that we never would have thought about. It's kind of like what Vinnie said. All coming together and they're learning things about each other. Even an interaction that you wouldn't expect to work out, that, like, wouldn't expect to mesh so well together like Sabine and Tilly, it ends up being really harmonious because they reveal things about each other. They make each other stronger and better. So this was just, this was probably the best part of the episode, this whole subplot for me.
2: I liked it too. I thought it was very cute. I loved their interaction together. It was just it was magical. It was wonderful. It was very delightful. And I agree I liked the uh Margot Kelly dynamic and in the beginning it made sense one hundred percent based on what we know of Margot and their relationship, you know, before she returned. And then at the end, after Tilly sort of uh allowed her to see the other side of the coin. I really like that Margot was uh, grown up enough to return and apologize and uh, to basically give Kelly her space. Uh, I thought it was uh, very well acted and uh, well written. Katie, what about you? Just to sort of uh, round up our group. Any other thoughts on uh, the Margot, Tilly, Sabine, Rogers, uh, Candy Killer, Kelly dynamic?
3: I I agree with what a lot of you guys Are saying Um, I really in particular Liked um, the scenes with Margot and Kelly Um, Much like what Jenna was saying I don't have much to add to it Except that I loved seeing The way that they played off of each other Um, It was just It was nice to see Um, And to think back to You know the original Seasons when um, Robin was born, and to see that you know, it's all these years later, and we get to see the relationship evolve beyond you know a mother and her baby, and um, we get to see her with um, a grown adult woman, and to see how they interact, and that um, her her daughter really is looking out for the best in her and wants the best for her mom, and um, you know they had the they had the little at the beginning of the episode and then they kind of come together towards the end um it was just you know it's very poignant for um for any mother daughter um mothers and daughters who might watch the show um to kind of see that play out on screen for them um but yeah I mean I don't really have anything else to add to what you guys were saying I really Enjoyed um, all these scenes It it reminds us of why we love the show so much Just because they do um, They do great dynamics with characters And the character dynamics were fantastic Um, We might not get long scenes um, With some of these characters But the scenes that we do get Even if they're short Are done very well And I enjoy them Um, And seeing Kelly um, Looking at that box of chocolates and is making me very excited for next episode um i guess this is not the route that i expected this next episode to take but i am very excited for it and i can't wait to see what happens and i think that this episode set that up very well even right at the very end with that um scene
2: so before we head on into the mvp any final thoughts on the episode I know we didn't really talk about him because he didn't really have that big of a role in the flashback. But Jenna, you are allowed to make smee puns at this moment if you like.
5: Aww, oh, I can't believe you let me do that! You're so smeeble because I know a lot of what I say is very pun-ishing to my co-hosts.
3: Oh my goodness!
4: I can't believe your I favorites that ever? Work.
5: <laughs> I also love Smee as a character. Uh, you know what? If I've got you know what back on the since I'm, I'm talking about him, I really like the use of Smee this season. This Smeezen. He's just he's been in all supporting roles, but he's been doing his. He's a really good supporting character, and I like how he enhances how he enhances a lot every the stories that he's in, especially this season. So yay!
2: That was unsmee
5: Oh <laughs> uh, Did I kill Vinny with those puns?
2: Probably. <laughs> nope. Okay, there he is. Oh, I was
4: gonna I'll say just he's cast not another curse. I've still got three other co-hosts
2: left. <laughs> Take Jenna next. You can absorb oh her her puns. Yes.
5: <laughs> yeah, I guess you may as well call me Rapunzel. Oh, my oh. hair may not be too long, but my tons are lasting forever.
3: <sighs> oh, my Lord.
5: <laughs>
2: the podcast has been derailed, but I will bring us back because <laughs> it is now time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different One, let's see who's going to go first and who's going to get their dreams crushed like the heart that Vinny crushed. Well, you know what, Vinny, you can go first. Who is your MVP (laughs) and why? Uh, So it's interesting because I went back and forth
4: on who I wanted to pick. And so my selection is Nick. But what's interesting is it doesn't necessarily connect with my opinion of the show, plot for this character. I hate the fact that he's the killer. I'll just throw that out there. I think it was way too just out of left field with not enough background of this character. He really was not set up with an extensive history to act on. But what he got... Oh, he slayed it. The the actor, as you touched on earlier, he amped up the creepy Oompa Loompa vibe to like nine million. He really could have a job playing a serial killer for real and like a, a thriller movie he did that good so he's my mvp because his character had a very weak foundation we haven't had a lot of exposition yet and i really really do not like him being the killer but i like how he played himself being the killer so he gets my mvp
2: all right people nick jack hansel is out of commission so who is your mvp katie
3: oh man this episode i feel like i'm having a really hard time like picking somebody
2: okay so i'll let jenna go next
3: yeah thank you oh
2: wait i was just joking but jenna no, you- please because oh. i
3: honestly have no idea i feel horrible but
2: okay you are horrible so jenna yeah, you can go next oh.
3: Okay, I'm actually having a hard time
5: too, but I will, but I'll go for it. Uh, I was between two characters, but I'm going to go with Margot. She had a part in my favorite plot me episode. She had not one, but two really outstanding um, um, bits of character interaction, both with Kelly and with Tilly. I feel like we're getting to really explore more of her depths. We're exploring her fun we're exploring her fun side, we're exploring her nice side, we're exploring, like, her her love for her mother, her frustrations with her mother. We're getting more inside her head, and we're kind of seeing a contrast to Robin from the flashbacks. And I think it's kind of, and I think in the short amount of screen time she's really had, she's really making a headway as a very compelling character.
2: All right, Katie. You've had time to think. Who is your MVP <laughs> and why?
3: Okay, I'm going to choose Nook. Um I really liked him in this episode. We didn't see him, you know, I mean, I guess we didn't see him a ton a ton as much as we saw like Henry or um Nick and all of those people, but we did see him a fair amount and I really did enjoy his scenes. Um I always like good old pirate hook seeing him um, brandishing a sword and fighting even though it was a setup (laughs) Um, I like seeing his scenes with Henry I loved his scene with Tilly it was a very small scene but it it was really cute and I liked it so I will give my MVP to Nook in this episode
2: All really great choices, and there are still several uh, out there for me to choose, but I'm going to go a different route, and uh, I'm going to pick Sabine. Oh. Okay, I, that's a good one though. Yeah. That's a good how one. I really liked Makia Cox in this episode. I feel like I always say this every time that she's on, but she's magic. She's just wonderful. She has an amazing vibe, and I really liked seeing her interact with Tilly and uh, seeing her bring the best out of Tilly. I, I just really liked how they used Sabine in this storyline. And I also like seeing her with Rogers. There's a part of me that kind of likes the chemistry she has with Rogers. Yes. But I I really want Tiana with Naveen. So I do want them to steer into that direction versus Rogers. But she has some sort of... well, I think she has chemistry with everybody, to be quite honest. She's kind of like... uh, a Regina, where Regina kind of has chemistry with everybody, and uh, I see that with Facilier as well. Facilier seems to have chemistry with everybody, and um, Tiana, Sabine seems to have really great chemistry with anyone she's paired up with, and it's a little magical whenever she's with the Rogers. When she gave him like the squeeze on his arm and was like, "Oh, my favorite detective," I was like, "Can you two make out already?" But then I'm like, "No, you need to make out with Drew because I want <laughs> the Disney canon to happen." on Once Upon a Time. So, uh, for all those reasons and so much more, just because she was so delightful to see in such a very dark episode, she was sort of like the the sunshine that allowed uh, the Margot and Tilly uh, relationship to develop even more. I'm going to give it to Sabine. Although, I think we can all agree, like, Weaver did a really good job. Henry, in particular, in the present day, I feel like, did a really great job. Uh, um... Yeah.
5: Jacinda.
2: Tilly. Yeah, Jacinda. I feel like everybody was on their A-game in this episode. So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode? On a scale of 1 to 10 apples, the point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving a more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. Let's spice up the order a little bit. And she always brings the spice and the puns. Jenna Pace, you may go first.
5: Thank you very much. Well, as I said, well, my feelings haven't really changed from the beginning of this episode. I feel like this episode has a lot of great little moments, and the some of those little moments ends up being better than the entirety of the episode. Like, the little bits, like Margot and Tilly having a conversation about beignets and parents, um, Henry and Hook's, like, fun little adventure. It The whole, like, especially the flashback feels very fillery, and I still have a lot of hesitation about how I feel about Jack being the killer, and where that storyline's going, but I had a fun time watching that episode, and for me as a fan of Once Upon a Time, more than anything, that matters a lot to me, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10.
2: We've got one 8, Vinny. How would you rate this episode?
4: I've been thinking about this and thinking about this and thinking about this. Jenna, you pose a really, really good point. This episode had a lot of disconnection for me. I didn't like him as the killer. I don't like that storyline. I would have liked one of the other ideas that we had, and I really felt it was kind of sloppy making him the killer. The flashback was unnecessary. We did not need to see that. So this was lacking a lot of connectivity between everything going on and uh, pertinence. But we did have a lot of sprinklings of really, really quality scenes. Some heartwarming, some just setting the stage for future coming events, and some chances to see characters working together or you know talking to each other that we didn't get before. So it's those little sprinkles that saved me from giving this something below a five. So I'm actually going to give this a six and a half based on all of the little bits. But because of Rebecca's ability to say the F word without actually saying it and use her face to communicate it, I'm going to up it to a seven. (laughs) And in another universe, there is a place where Tiana and Nook get together and their ship name needs to be Princess Hooker. I'm just saying.
5: Actually, it's Hooking Utensil. No! <laughs> what? Seriously, cooking utensil. Also, um, Captain Cook is another
3: one. Either of those two. Prince. What did you say, Vinny? Princess.
5: What?
4: Princess Hooker. <laughs> oh my! God.
2: I prefer Princess Hooker. I do not enjoy, enjoy
4: cooking hook. utensil. Cooking
2: utensil. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even it mean? Also... It sounds like a sex Yo, toy. A cooking utensil. Right?
4: I'm like, is that what she calls her and things in her purse when she's turning tricks? <laughs> He'll stir, her be- he'll stir her beignets. <laughs> also, every time you say fillery, it just makes me think of the magicians. Just throwing that
2: out there. <laughs> but yeah, I'll stick with a seven. So we've got an eight. We've got a seven. Katie, where do you stand?
3: Oh my goodness, I feel like Simon... Right now. I'm going to give it a six and a half.
2: Oh the Russian judge has oh, wow. uh, surfaced. I
3: never Ooh. do this. I never do this. That's and I feel. My <laughs> it, yeah I think that's <laughs> what it is. I'm going to blame you. Okay. Um, I, I, it, it makes me sad. Because. I love. And I have been looking forward to. Another adventure with Hook. You know like a pirate adventure. Like I said personally and I'm very biased towards towards it pirate is one of my favorite genres and I was so excited for it and it just kind of fell short for me um I did really enjoy several of the moments I just felt like they kind of like it didn't connect the flashback did not connect with the present day really at all in any way shape or form um But, I mean, there were really good moments. I really liked the Nick and Henry scenes. Um, I loved the Jacinda and Henry proposal scene. Um, I loved the uh, scenes we got with, like, um, Kelly and Margot and Tilly and uh, Rogers. Um, They were all really good scenes. They were good moments. Um, Even the scenes with um, Weaver and Henry, um, they were all really good scenes, but... The episode, it just felt like it wasn't that necessary. I really liked the suggestion that we talked about at the beginning of this episode where it would have made more sense for them to start the flashback out with the proposal and then build something that makes more sense from there. Um, I think that would have saved it for me in my opinion. Um, So I am going to stick with my six and a half Apple rating.
2: Okay. Okay. Six and a half, seven and an eight, and uh I'm gonna go seven and a half. I thought the episode was okay. Ooh. I thought the flashback, as I mentioned before just did not it did not need to be seen to be quite honest. the only thing that we really needed needed to see was the proposal, and I like. As Katie mentioned, uh, the idea of the proposal kicking off the flashback. Or even the flashback, I mean, I should say, or even the proposal being at the end of the flashback, but the flashback's actual meat being something else. I wish that they would have done something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, it was not needed. It wasn't. It it wasn't necessary. It it, uh, didn't really add to... uh, the overall storyline that we've seen in the flashback, and I don't think that at this point in their writing they knew that they were officially cancelled. I feel like within the next episode and the one after that, that's when they sort of started to know that uh, they were not renewed, so I can't even say that, you know, what I would say something to the gist of like, uh, you know, they they know it's ending, so they're wasting time with flashbacks that are sort of unnecessary. I don't think that they knew that at this point, so I can't even blame them with that. I just wish that they would have had the foresight to have uh, you know, just realized that things were not headed in the renewal direction so that they wouldn't have wasted uh proper flashback time on this storyline as well as the storyline in nightfall I, I feel like that one was kind of unnecessary at least in my opinion what's Every... really
4: interesting mm-hmm. oh go ahead no continue also, on. what i think is really interesting is this was supposed to be the first season of a new story arc with new characters and i don't know if anyone else kind of feels this but for me a bit of the I don't know if it's sloppiness is the right word, but in a lot of the things of things that we've talked about, there's been like things that don't connect well, loose ends that seem like they should be finished later, but they're not going to be. Once upon a time's season one was amazing. It hooked all of us in. It was really well written. It didn't there were some areas where there was a little bit of clunkiness, but overall I feel like it was a phenomenal season. Now in this season I, I feel like we're really seeing the traditional setup of what a lot of shows experience their freshman season. That awkward first step off the ground, struggling to make ends meet as far as storylines connecting and coming full circle. There is, And maybe it's because of the writers getting towards the finale and you know they do eventually realize they've got to cut something short because they were cancelled. But overall, this season has seemed like what I would have expected a show to have in its very first season with a lot of struggles as far as connecting things and and you know really bringing things together it's been an interesting parallel to the original first season so i'm curious to see how they end it but as each of these episodes continues i'm kind of the beginning of the season i started really strong loving it but as we continue i'm finding more and more where i'm like wait really what
5: mind if i say something sure i I kind of agree. I agree with Vinny. It's like there's it, this season doesn't feel super solid within. It doesn't feel solid within the confines of itself. And it, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of runny. And even though the writers may not have known that they were canceled, I think going into this season, knowing that they had been moved to a new a new slot, knowing that so many of the main characters had left and at least knowing the viewer counts like for for as for like at least they at least had a few, quite a few episodes of viewer counts to kind of look at i feel like there wasn't there's no excuse that this episode should have had a flashback that did absolutely nothing cuz i feel like it's t- i feel like to a large extent they should have known there was no time to kill there's no time for things to be pushed off to another season because yep. I feel like by this point they should have at least had a good, ha- should have had more than enough, su- n- enough reason to suspect that they weren't going to get another season. So they really had no excuse to waste time like that. Like how they did with this flashback. Especially when there are so many other things that need to be resolved. So many things that at least need to be touched upon. Right now there's story points and characters that are only half formed and we're Kind of losing, we're kind of losing time to finish them up. And I love Once Upon a Time. I find that I find it really interesting how we were able to make get so many compelling characters in a new season. Even some relationships I'm shipping super hard. And I've only had like three, four episodes to get into them, but at the same time, I feel like they kind of keep adding elements where they really need to be wrapping things up and the and the bits of wrapping up that we're getting I find a little sloppy like last week with I last week with Ivy and Anastasia really the whole oh. Tremaine family has kind of been a little sloppy in that regard so Swept
4: under the rug is what they were
5: yeah I'm, I'm and I'm kind of a little and I'm kind of a little worried because the two-hour finale is probably going to do some very basic wrap-ups for some of the longer running stories but in the meantime there's a bunch of little stories that need wrapping up and i'm afraid we're not going to have time or even some things just brought up we've talked we've talked about throughout this episode about the fact that shadow queen might not get a description and if they want to make that relationship anything and i feel like they kind of do we need time to see what these two characters were to each other for whatever they want to build whether or not it's another tragic romance or Regina's happy ending, we need things like that to be on full display. And right now we're not getting it, and I'm just kind of wondering, we only have so many episodes left. Will we get that?
2: I don't think we are, to be quite honest. And I'm already sort of setting myself up for that so that I'm not disappointed. So that I'm pleasantly surprised if they're able to shoehorn it in into an episode. I'd be even happy if they just have a conversation in which we get exposition. You know, I just need to learn how they met and and why Regina has this love for him. Although I believe it because I like their chemistry and I do feel like they're headed uh, towards some sort of redemption uh, to Facilier. I just need to learn a little bit more about them. And I know Nightfall had its fans, but Nightfall in this episode, the flashbacks, they could have replaced them with something that was a little bit more important to the overall storyline you know there are little dangling plot threads that need to be wrapped up what is it like four more episodes before the two hour the I two week so, yeah. finale
5: yeah four and, more and, yeah and in those and two we're
2: weeks we're going to be in storybrook so
5: we know a decent amount about what's going to happen so it's just kind of a matter of worrying about what's left mm-hmm. to fill in
4: well especially because I- I- they said we're not going to get closure
5: true
4: yeah they're not going to tie up there's going to be things that we don't find out answers to so that's i'm kind of with you jeff i'm i'm not i'm gonna set
2: myself up to be pleasantly surprised i'm not going in hoping that certain things will be resolved yeah but i will say i still have enjoyed the episode so unlike i guess Vinny and jenna who started off uh feeling really strongly about the season and now you're kind of a little bit more wobbly about it I still am enjoying it I just haven't cared for the two flashbacks that I've mentioned in particular I didn't mind uh, sort of the wrap-up for the Tremains uh, and I I thought it was fine you know they did what they could do uh and this episode uh, to sort of continue back into my rating (laughs) because we veered off uh I did like all the present-day stuff. I thought all the present-day stuff was really, really interesting. It moved that plot along uh, quite well. I like that we're sort of getting to some sort of crescendo in the Ella Henry romance, or I should say Jacinda Henry romance. I really like Nick as the killer, so this is is going uh, quite well for me. Uh, I like that Kelly is next on the hit list just because I know she's not going to die. And I feel like this might be what leads to uh, Hansel either being killed or arrested. And uh, I do like everything Weaver in the episode. And, and I did like everything uh, Margot and uh, Tilly. And and I also like that she told... Uh, Her papa, even though she doesn't know it's uh, her papa, you know, I met a girl and I like her. I I thought that was a really cute and sweet moment. So, uh... Because of all that, I'm going to give it a 7.5. What dragged it down for me is just the flashback. Everything was unnecessary to see except for the proposal, which was uh, very sweet and very once upon a time. And very appropriate uh, for Ella as well. The fact that she was like, can I say yes now? I I really like that. It wasn't, you know, this, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but it wasn't a charming style proposal, because obviously Ella is very different. She's got her own spice, and uh, I like that they allowed her to be herself during the proposal, which uh, made it uh, extra cute, in my opinion. On that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybrook Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
1: Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash storybrookeweeklymirror. Follow us on Tumblr, Storybrooke Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe. Dot com slash Poppy radio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula radio programs by visiting com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrook Weekly Mirror and subscribe.
2: Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Peace, me, and you. Good
5: night, guys. Sayonara.
2: Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. Good night. (sighs)